0: Once the sperm is inside of you, those little guys, they know their way. Gravity does not need to help them. They will know their way. If the egg and sperm are meant to unite, they will. Welcome to Sex, Body, and Soul.
1: I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is fertility guru, Monica Friedman. And we're going to talk about getting pregnant holistically. Monica is actually a fertility coach with a focus on the mind-body connection, providing emotional, lifestyle, and practical support for women who are ready to take charge of their own fertility. She's also a health and life coach and yoga and meditation instructor, offering her clients a holistic approach to their fertility. All this has made her very passionate about helping others to an easier pathway to becoming a mother. Welcome,
0: Monica. Good morning, Monica, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. What an honor. Well, I am
1: thrilled that you're on the show. We're going to talk about all things fertility, and this is something that I have struggled with and I've gone through the journey. And so I'm thrilled that you've joined us also on the advisory board of the Body Board because fertility is something that still has so much stigma attached to it, and it's also still a unknown subject, especially when you're going through it for the first time. So thrilled to have you. Monica, you have this delicious European accent. Tell me about you and uh, where you're from and how we got to have you in our fair country.
0: Of course. I'm originally from Germany, but I consider myself a global citizen, having lived All over the world, really. And uh, my husband's American, so that's why we moved stateside and now we're here. We are. But I really work with clients all over the world and having that global mindset and the love for traveling as well pre COVID. It really helps my practice in terms of understanding these different circumstances, these different cultures that my clients are coming from. So let's say I work with a couple in India, they may have completely different expectations or maybe, you know, expectations also from from their families than maybe couples in Europe or in the U.S. So it's a wonderful thing to be part of this big white world and and feel connected to everyone out there.
1: So... What got you interested in this subject? Did you yourself struggle or what? how did all this begin for you?
0: Yes, yes. I was 29 years old, a young chicken, basically. And I thought, oh, this is a great time to, to start a family. And I was told very quickly that I had the egg reserve, the AMH of a 44-year-old. So that was a huge shock to my system, I didn't even understand what all these things meant. I was completely overwhelmed. And most importantly, I was this, where I still am this type A person that works hard, sees result, and for the first time in my life, working hard didn't equal into the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I was just completely shattered and realized I may not have my own biological child. Which at the age of 29 is just not something I ever wanted to think about. So obviously I threw myself into research. I went down so many rabbit holes. I saw so many doctors. I think I had I went to three clinics, five different doctors. I went all the way to Greece to get my ovaries rejuvenated. I spoke to energy healers. I spoke to my dead grandmother. You know, I I did everything from A to Zen. I did four rounds of IVF, 12 rounds of ovulation induction. I had one miscarriage until I had my wonderful, beautiful rainbow baby. She's now almost three. And this really tough path led me to wanting to pass on that knowledge and those tools that really helped me, but that I had to learn the hard way. I wanted to pass these on to other women so that they wouldn't have to struggle in silence, but also that they would go through this path a little bit easier, not saying it's ever going to be easy. Studies have shown that infertility, amongst other things, such as cancer, moving house, losing a loved one, is one of these big life events that can completely throw you off and um, send you right into depression.
1: Mm. I'm wondering if what was your next stage at that point? Did you go through IVF?
0: Yes, I did four rounds of IVF. The first couple rounds didn't work because I had no eggs left or basically my body wouldn't give away any eggs. Having said that, I lived a crazy lifestyle as well. I was traveling every week for work. I was preparing for a half marathon. I thought being skinny is great. Not quite knowing that all these things aren't really conducive to being fertile. Again, I'm just one out of many, but I then decided after the second round of IVF, I'll take a break. I'll do a lot of soul searching, I visited all kinds of alternative doctors. And then I I switched clinics as well and went to a different clinic. I did all my IVF in London. And they had a much more tailored approach for my hormonal profile. They did a lot more testing. They got to the bottom of what the issue might be. And then I got pregnant. I had a miscarriage then, but I had hope. Mm -hmm. I had hope that my body could do it. So after that miscarriage, I gave myself another half year off and I'm kind of fast forwarding through this, but when you're in the middle of all these things, it's, it drags on forever and you're in this unbearable waiting game. But anyway, my fourth round of IVF was the lucky one and that helped me have my daughter.
1: I'm sorry that you had to go through so many rounds. How did you feel that you were treated by all these different doctors. Like, how did it feel for you like going in? I, I'm I'm talking from experience.
0: I'd love to hear your experience on this as well. You know, my
1: experience was actually quite, I think, unusual. Because, you know, what happens is, as you know, you get pumped through of all these, you get pumped full of hormones. I mean, you are just a walking hormone. And you have to go in and get all these injections and get your blood tested and I don't know what it was about these hormones, but they made me happy. They were happy hormones. Like, And I was walking around on cloud nine. It was like I had an injection of ecstasy or something. And that's just how my body reacted. Right. I know other women find it extremely hard and is hard on your body. But for whatever reason, you know, it made me it was a happy, very happy experience. But it was also a grueling experience. And there's all that anxiety that goes with it of, okay, I'm going through this for months on end. You know, it is painful. You have to get the injections. And, you know, everyone's so matter of fact, like you go in the clinic, like, yeah, okay, sit there, get your injection, sit in the chair, get your blood done. And I tried to go through it with as much dignity as I, and humility as I could. I realized I was just another number, you know, sitting there waiting for my turn to go in and everyone was there with the same schedule (laughs) and I would see people of the same morning that I'd seen the day before and everyone was very nice to me but I have heard horror stories of how women have been treated by their fertility doctors.
0: The bedside manners can vary significantly by doctor, by clinic. So I'm really glad that you, at least from the hormonal perspective, had a good experience. So hold on to that. And I'm sorry you had to go through it. Would you mind sharing how many rounds you had to go through until you were successful?
1: I had only one round and I had my daughter like you, but I, I actually fertilized four eggs and we decided because of my advanced age, whatever, this is what they called it, we all decided we'd put all four in and they all took. (laughs) So I was freaked out. I was like, "Um, am I having four babies? What's going on? And, you know, sadly, three did die. And, you know, I have the most wonderful, wonderful daughter now who's strong. And, you know, I like to joke with her, you know, you ate your brothers and sisters, (laughs) But yes, I do. I think my doctor, Dr. Preston, was very lighthearted and funny. I remember when he was the day that we had to insert the eggs, you know, with me with my legs in the stirrups. He was talking about the latest show on Sex and the City with Samantha and probably very inappropriate things he was saying. But, it, you know, I thought it was funny and You know, it's nice to have a doctor like that who takes you through the process and you can trust. How about you?
0: right. You know, I saw so many doctors, some were great, and some maybe some had bedside manners to be improved on. But I think the important bit that you're addressing here is the mental state or the mindset or, you know, the mental health, really, as you go through this. Everybody reacts differently, but what we see across the board is that this is really hard on your mental health at some point, Mm -hmm. if you go through round after round. So I'd love to see more support there from clinics and from doctors asking, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? Mm -hmm. How can we answer your questions better? Do you need support? Not just here's your protocol and this is This is the shot you need to take at 10 p.m. So that's where I'm trying to, as a fertility coach, trying to close the gap between the clinic and the doctor and the patient because there's often this gap of where do our emotions fall in? And we all know the fertility journey is a marathon. It's not a sprint. This may go on for a very long time. So you want to almost steal yourself Not become hardened, but steel yourself, become more resilient, and find those mindset tools that help you through it. And that's what I Mm -hmm. teach. That's what I work on with Mm -hmm. my clients. Which mind-body tools can you learn so that when you go into these procedures, so that you can calm yourself down? Because your nervous system is Mm -hmm. jacked up all the time, plus the hormones, plus maybe all kinds of external things you have to handle. How do you communicate with your partner? How do you communicate with work, with your friends? Do you tell people or not? There are so many levels or layers to this fertility game that the stronger you become, or let's say the more resources you learn, the more dignity you can have as you go through this. Yeah.
1: It's almost like you're a best friend that there is at home for a woman who's going through this. And I know, Monica, that I had so many questions that I felt stupid asking and I didn't want to come over as this like pathetic, you know, woman who was 40. So you're like this best friend that will teach people about their mind and body and hormones and you know, you're just there to answer the questions and see the person through it. And I think hey,
0: it's so needed what you're doing. So I started this because I I needed someone like myself back then. I was completely lost in the process. So I was looking or I didn't even know I needed that person. But in hindsight, I knew it would have been so much easier if I had a helping hand. And just one example, a client of mine is going through IVF as we speak. And we text, we email probably two or three times a day because she has so many questions. How many eggs do you get back? Mm -hmm. What are these side effects Mm -hmm. normal or not? I'm not a doctor, but I can explain probably Mm -hmm. 99% of these. And she emailed me late last night. I couldn't have done it without you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well,
1: I, I, listen, I get it. And I get why somebody like you is necessary because you know, you are, again, when you're going through IVF, your hormones are heightened. You're, you know, you're not yourself and you're frantic and you want to actually get in touch with your doctor every day with another question, but you know, you can't do that. And you know that he's not going to be there for you. So I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And I got to know you Uh, through this company called Meet Juliet. And you were doing some really, really great writing and articles uh, through this company, which we ended up forming a partnership with because we loved their product and that their product is, uh, they are pregnancy tests and ovulation kits. And I bring this up because I remember when I was trying to get pregnant, I used to hate going into that CVS pharmacy and searching for the ovulation kits and pregnancy tests. And then, of course, I would come home and it'd be like, what, 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 okay, I'm not pregnant. All right, back now to doing the ovulation and trying to figure out when I'm ovulating. And these products are just fantastic because they've got motivational statements on every single box. And that's what you are, right? You are a motivator to help women get through this process which blows your mind. So, tell me about that. Like, how did that all that come about? And what do you think of the product?
0: I love the Me Juliet products because they are, let's face it, they're a commodity, but they're this commodity of, you know, ovulation strips and and pregnancy tests. They're packed into, and I'm using that word again. It's a theme today, dignity. They're packed into dignity. And I love that these, these products that that are so, they can become quite emotional, that they are reminders every day that you are strong, that you can do this, that you are stronger than you think. And sometimes we just need that nudge. And even if it's a beautiful message written on a beautiful package, and let's face it, a lot of these packages are yucky. So, having a really nice product in your hand can make the whole experience so much nicer and just so much more bearable. Mm -hmm. But having Mm -hmm. these nudges of, I'm worthy, I can do this, even if it's someone else telling you. And sometimes it's actually better if a third person tells you that because it's It's a neutral person and you can somehow rationalize it better. So, yeah, I I love the packaging. I'm so glad that you got involved. And again, I would have used the product if it had been out there, you know, seven to 10 years ago.
1: It's definitely a little reminder about how amazing our bodies are and what they can do and how we (laughs) are as as the vessels of making, creating and birthing a life. And we, we cannot forget that. Now, you take an approach in your work, which is all about the mind and the body and the soul. And you also talk a lot about hormones. I think I read the other day that if you are over 35, which is when they say all your ex start dying, it's considered a geriatric pregnancy. And I think they use those words. <laughs> uh, that's got to be outdated, right? That has got to go back to the days when, you know, life expectancy was 45 to 50, right? I mean, I don't understand it. Talk to me about, really, how old is too old to have a baby?
0: Menopause is a very clear sign that your progesterone is dropping, and we need progesterone to sustain a pregnancy. So estrogen, progesterone are dropping rapidly as you enter menopause. So menopause happens, it can happen between the age of 40 and 58. It can happen over a span of 20 years. So for most women, menopause happens around 45 to 50-ish. But again, everyone is so individual, right? So I would say menopause is a good indicator that your egg supply and your really important pregnancy hormones are not doing the job anymore. However, even if you're premenopausal, you can still get pregnant. If you still have a period, or even if you don't have a period, but you still have your own eggs, you can still get pregnant. However, you might need a little bit more help, and that's where... Mm -hmm. assisted reproduction comes in. And that's also where the equality comes in. Equality is key. So if you want to improve your equality, there's three really important things you want to keep doing to improve your chances. So number one is your diet, clean diet Number two is your lifestyle slash exercise. If you are either sedentary or crazy busy, there's gotta be some middle ground. And that includes your workout regime. That also includes your water intake. That includes the supplements that you're having or you're consuming. That includes a whole range of things. How are you moving your body? How are you treating your body? What are you putting inside your body? And then number three is concerning the, let's say, the practical approach that you're taking. Do you know when your ovulation window is? Do you know the texture of your cervical mucus? Is that the right consistency? Or if you're speaking to a doctor or a clinic already, are they really giving you the right protocol? Is the protocol right for your unique circumstances and i have seen so many protocols that are just a cookie cutter approach, which doesn't work for us. I'm speaking with my own experience. That's why I changed clinics. And with the the new clinic that had a very tailored approach, I got pregnant. So I probe all these questions. I'm not just your best fertility friend. I'm also actually the devil's advocate. So Mm -hmm. women will send me their protocols and I'll say, no, red flag, this is an issue that we've been seeing. Can you please check that again with your doctor? So, just to sum it up, if you're in your 40s or approaching 40, then we really need to focus on equality. That is the key.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a couple of rapid fire questions actually about sure. myths and also some clarity. Yeah. What's the rule of thumb on how many days after your last period? More or less, are you
0: ovulating? So a lot of women don't know this. Is it like 10 days? It really depends. We're so different. It can be anywhere from 7 to 20 days. It is a very wide span. And I'm, I, you know, ideally after 14 days. But who says that our cycle is 28 days long? So for anyone who doesn't quite know when the ovulation window is, there are various things to check that out, um, and I can go into detail um, you know, separately, but cervical mucus is one of them. Ovulation strips by Meet Juliet are another one. So you want to get crystal clear about when your body is ovulating. And again, that can happen on day 10, that can happen on day 21. It varies massively. There is no standard rule.
1: And you ovulate for about three or four days, right? And that's the only time in your cycle that you can actually get pregnant. And what you're talking about with the mucus is you can actually see it. It's like almost like stringy glue, like like yeah. a clear, stringy, whitish glue, right? I remember thinking, "Oh my god!" I now I know. But you know, a lot right. of women don't know this, so it's good to look out for those signs. Now, the other thing that we should know about is even though you ovulate for those three or four days, if you'd had sex before you ovulated, right, the sperm can stay in your system and work their little way, even though you weren't ovulating on the day you had sex, it can still, those, those little spermies are determined to find an egg, right? That's their job and they're fighting to find it. So they can stay in your system and almost wait till you ovulate the next day, let's say, and you can still get pregnant. And also, is it also the case maybe a day after you stop ovulating that there might be like an egg hanging out there going, I'm still around,
0: or is that not the case? That's unfortunately not the case. So always lean towards the front end of your ovulation. So let's say you ovulate, today is Thursday. You know you're ovulating today. Having intercourse today would be great. Having intercourse on Friday, not so great because the egg has dropped already. So there's a perfect timing where egg and sperm need to meet. The sperm can survive in the uterus for five days, five days the egg has a very short fertile window so front load the intercourse before the ovulation so my rule of thumb is try to have intercourse up to 2 days before your ovulation your peak ovulation the day before and the day off that's my rule of thumb
1: okay now a couple of other myths that are out there you know grandma's myths when you're just having sex and you're trying to get pregnant after you've had, set, helped you've had intercourse and uh, it's all over and you have sperm inside you, should you put your legs up over your
0: head? That's number one myth. Does that work? It doesn't matter at all. If it makes you feel better doing it, do it. Um, it will help you fall asleep faster. It's also great for lymph drainage, but it actually doesn't help get the sperm to the egg. Once the sperm is inside of you, Those little guys, they know their way. Gravity does not need to help them. They will know their way. If the egg and sperm are meant to unite, they will. So that is a myth. Again, do it if it makes you feel better. And that's where the mind-body connection comes in. Mm -hmm. If it calms you down, if you feel like it gives you that control back, by all means, please do it. You know, it's same as having french fries after... A transfer, you know, an IVF transfer. Hadn't had that. That's another while. myth. It's not true. There's an old myth that uh-huh. says the sodium helps implantation. It's simply not true. Or let's say it's not vetted enough. But please, by all means, uh-huh. go have those French fries because they're delicious and you should treat yourself. So, you know, have some really yummy food or any food that you enjoy. Same with pineapples. The fertility community is full of pineapples. They're supposed to be an ingredient in pineapples that's you know supposed to be helping with implantation again it's not vetted but pineapples are delicious mm. and they are full of vitamins please do have them
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember when I was trying to get pregnant and all good gynecologists are going to tell you, go to the bathroom when you're done with having sex. And so I, you know, I remember when I was trying to get pregnant, I was like, I'm not going to the bathroom. I got to keep those spermies in. Like, I don't want to go pee because it's all going to run out of me. And so how about that? that? Is that helpful? Should we still go pee after
0: sex if we're trying to get pregnant? You can still go pee, and if you have to pee, please do, because we do not want a UTI. But you have to think of the vaginal walls like a a toast, you know, two slices Mm -hmm. of toast. And then there's jelly, and then there's, you know, in jelly, let's say you have a strawberry jam or jelly, and there are these little seeds, and that little seed is like the sperm. It's really close. It's kind of trapped inside those two pieces of toast. It cannot fall out. It mm-hmm. will not fall out. Mm-hmm. Same for working mm-hmm. out or mm-hmm. walking after a transfer or after sex. That sperm is trapped in that mucus in, you know, the vagina walls, are, they're thin and it will not fall out. So don't worry. Yeah.
1: Okay. I got a really good one now. Now, yes. so we do know that a lot of women are challenged having orgasms, right? And especially when you're trying to get pregnant, right? You're like focused. You're like, yeah, get that sperm in there as soon as possible. Is it helpful? Do you up your chances of getting pregnant if the woman has an orgasm as well as the man? I mean, obviously the man's going to have an orgasm, right? That's the whole idea. But, But are you more sort of open? I guess you're more relaxed which is always good. But does that have any effect whatsoever if you're both having an orgasm?
0: That's such a great question. Thank you, Kate. And I think you answered it already. It always helps when you're relaxed. But, and here's the big but, to get pregnant, a healthy quality egg needs to meet a healthy quality sperm. At the end of the day, Genetics are all that matters. If that healthy egg meets the sperm at the right time, that's when you get pregnant. If you're having fun doing it, even better. However, there's this other myth out there that says, oh, if I'm stressed, I can't get pregnant. That's not entirely true. If you're stressed in general, you might try less. Or if your cortisol is peaking all the time, then your progesterone may go lower or, you know, sink over time, which means that your your chances of implantation are not as great. So in general, stress isn't helpful, but it will not make you not fall pregnant if all the other factors are lined up. Does that make sense? Mm. Yep,
1: it does. You know, stress is a killer in general, and I think that's why what you're doing, again, is fantastic, because stress affects your life in general and it it really affects your body. And so you really need to do as much as you possibly can to bring those stress levels down if you are trying to get pregnant, well, in general for your health. So I want to go back to geriatric pregnancies, which is just so (laughs) insulting. I cannot get over the fact they call it that. I mean, they're basically saying at 40, you're geriatric nothing against geriatrics, but I do not wish to be called a geriatric at 40 and pregnant. I'm wondering on the hormone side of things, as we know, estrogen is queen, right? It's so good for our bodies. Yes. We need it. it. It it helps everything. Skin It helps fertility. It helps everything. And it also helps you get through menopause. Now, mm-hmm. if you are let's say perimenopausal, right? And for everyone out there who doesn't know what that means, that's the first stage of menopause where you start to get symptoms, you'll like miss a period or two, and that's the sort of beginning of it all. And you start to take estrogen, which your gynecologist will probably recommend for you. Is that going to up your chances still of getting pregnant? Like right? You're in perimenopause, right? You have irregular periods. Maybe you haven't had a period for six months. Can you still get pregnant, especially if you're taking estrogen?
0: That's a case-by-case question, really. So as you're upping the estrogen, there are certain... Receptors in the body that need to understand that you're still in the fertile world, so your body may be slowing down on other hormones as well. For example, progesterone, which I mentioned a few times, which is a pregnancy hormone, important for implantation. So it is a case by case scenario. So the other thing that is kind of working against you, if you're already taking uh, doing hormone replacement therapy with estrogen then you're probably at an advanced age. And that could be, let's say you're 45 or to 50. um, That means your egg quality is probably not ideal anymore. Simple as that. So you might still get pregnant. Yes, you might need help. But I think the key here, and I always come back to that, is your egg quality. You know, you can have Mm -hmm. all your hormones lined up, if the mitochondria, which is the cell membrane of the of the egg, is not ideal anymore, it's going to get harder. That's the mm-hmm. that's the ugly truth.
1: Okay, right. Last question in this regard: You are a fifty five year old woman, and you pretty much are have gone through menopause, right? You haven't had a period for a year. That is the level, right? That's the usually what they say, right? If you haven't had a period for a year, you are in right. full blown menopause. So as a 55-year-old woman, or a, let's say a 60-year-old woman who's way past menopause, are you able to carry a baby? As in if an egg was fertilized outside of your body with your partner, and it goes into your body, are you able to carry that baby?
0: Yes. Yes, you are. You are. You are. We've seen examples from India. I think there are. there's this crazy fertility doctor in India who helps older ladies get pregnant through IVF. And there was this couple, I think they were in their seventies and they had um, a healthy daughter, not with their own egg, but they had a healthy daughter. So, you know, that kind of straddles the ethical, uh, you know, the whole big ethical Mm -hmm. question, is this even right? Is this fair to the parents, to the girl? But, you know hypothetically if your body can sustain a pregnancy if you get the right amount of hormones i've seen in the news just in the news that this is happening mm-hmm. i don't know a single case in my world so i'm just looking at the news here
1: i mean again it's it's an ethical thing right because if you right. birth a child at 70 you might only have a few years left to live right. and that child could be an orphan so uh, right. You know, biology is biology for a reason, right? Right, right, right.
0: right. <laughs> well,
1: Monica, sadly, we're coming to an end. Definitely need to have you on again because there's so much to talk about still. Now, I would like you to tell me a tip that you would like to give our listeners. One around the name of our podcast, of course, is Sex, Body, and Soul. I'd like a tip from you for all those ladies out there who are trying to get pregnant. A tip around sex, a tip around mind, and a tip
0: around soul. Go. Enjoy the sex. Even if it feels like a chore, make it more playful. Um, Have sex outside of your fertile windows as well to not only make it a baby-making exercise. Tip number two around your mind. Your mind is your strongest muscle. It's also the most stubborn one. So you need to take really good care of it and also help it sometimes to find new pathways. We're so set in our minds that sometimes we need to nudge it a little bit to find a bigger perspective, to reframe situations. It can do wonders. And for the soul, nourish your soul wherever you can. If that cup of tea is going to get you through the next hour, do it. Find pockets of joy. Find pockets of peace. As I said before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So be kind to your soul. You deserve it.
1: And then the very last question is your partner, whether it be your your husband, your wife, your partner in general. They're going through this too, right? And we do tend to forget about that because it's all about the, the vessel who's growing the baby. What can your partner do to support you through this effort?
0: They can be made aware that we deal with obstacles in different ways. So the woman might be dealing with, you know, this challenge in one way and he or she might be dealing with it in another way. So allowing yourself so much space and understanding is definitely helpful, but also there are small things they can do. They can, you know, help you look at the calendar and see when your fertile window is. They can help you order the supplements online, they can help you, they can drive you to the clinic, they can get those french fries and that pineapple juice for you ready when you come back from your transfer. There are so many things where they can get involved. They can do the research. Often research is a huge load on our shoulders so they can help do the research. Say, look, honey, that's what I found out. How about we try that? So Mm -hmm. lots of different ways they can help.
1: And of course, that dreaded injection, right? If you are going through IVF, you know, you have to inject your stomach. You have to inject your butt. Yep. That's the worst one. That one going in the butt, I think it's the last one I seem to recall. Oh, it's a killer. Uh, I think I ate the pillow, but yep. I did have help in getting those injections in. I think one of my girlfriends actually injected me in a lady's bathroom at a bar once. And I think everyone oh. thought we were shooting up drugs. But no, it was, it was fertility treatment. Monica Friedman, it has been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for working with us. And thank you for making it normal for us to produce life. And we really appreciate you. Thank you for being on the show. And I will
0: see you soon, my dear. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been an honor
1: thank you for joining me for this episode of sex body and soul remember you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop the body agency if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed Dignity Kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a Dignity Kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code podcast 10, to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.